Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard to wrap up the week's news is Bill Crystal. And Bill, I have one goal in this podcast to prevent you from singing. That's my only yeah, goal. Well, you started off your story. posting. Oh, I, I can quote Frank Sinatra, but I cannot sing <laughs> any. I can't sing anything, actually, but certainly I wouldn't want to compete with Frank Sinatra. So you'll succeed in your goal. <laughs> but you quote uh, New York, New York, because you suggest to Senator Ted Cruz, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Why not uh, get in there and fight? Yeah, and I think the media, and I think some of the political consultants, maybe even some of those advising Ted Cruz have sort of said, well, New York's Trump's home turf, kind of skip that, can't win too much there anyway, look ahead to the week after or even to the to next month with better uh, prospects in Indiana and Nebraska and other places. But I think it's important to fight New York for a couple of reasons. You can snatch maybe 25, 30 of the 95 delegates running second in a bunch of uh, congressional districts, uh, keeping, Cruz, uh, keeping Trump below 50 percent. You might win some of the districts. And also, I just think at this point, uh, people overthink these things sometimes, and they get cued, and, well, we skip this state, lower expectations. We're way beyond that now, where it's a, it's a basically a one-on-one match. you got to fight everywhere. Um, and I think Cruz could do better. I grew up in New York. I think Cruz could do better than people think. New York Republicans are pretty conservative. Some of them like Trump, and he's a New Yorker, and he'll have a certain resonance. But a lot of them have also heard those stories about Trump's business practices, and a lot of them are appalled by Trump, just like a lot of Republicans around the country. So I just wrote the editorial to encourage, frankly, the Cruz campaign to to fight hard in New York. I think they're going to. I think they're going to. Uh, and to encourage others to help the Cruz campaign, uh, outside donors, uh, to fight hard in New York. And also to make the point that, you know, for all that we conservatives um, have some issues with New York's politics, and Ted Cruz himself famously made the comment about New York values, it is a great state. It's the state that produced Alexander Hamilton, among other things, who uh, the greatest founder, I think, who is now the subject of a very popular musical. Who would have thought that? Kind of a, a great statement about America, that, you know, Hamilton can come over, a penniless kid from the West Indies, become one of the, the most important founders, Secretary of the Treasury, and then 200-plus years later, there can be this hip-hop musical made about him that's a huge hit. It really is something healthy. You know, you, in the Trump campaign has made us focus, I think, yeah, reasonably on some of the things that are less than healthy about American culture and politics, but something like the Hamilton musical should really um, you know, remind us that there's a lot to to be good and happy about in this country. Well, I just learned something that I did not know about you, that you like, uh, I, I agree with you, Hamilton, the greatest founder other than Washington and highly uh, underrated as opposed to Jefferson, who's highly overrated, and I would right. And so That's good, okay, that, that's good to know. But uh, I guess the argument is the longer Cruz fights, the more the media is going to talk about the New York values. In other words, that it's not going to be a campaign for New York. It's going to be a campaign over a uh, campaign statement, a faux pas, perhaps. Uh, and that's what he's going to get trapped in. Can he get above that? Or does New York values resonate in a different way in Manhattan from, say, Albany or Schenectady or the other parts of New York? Yeah, that's a good point. The bulk of New York is not the city. Certainly the bulk of the Republican primary vote is certainly not the city. People in the suburbs have mixed uh, views about Manhattan and New York City. A lot of them left Manhattan and New York City as they didn't like uh, the governance or the culture there. Now, obviously, with Giuliani and to some degree Bloomberg, that governance got turned around. But now with de Blasio, you have a good contrast. If I were Ted Cruz, I would say, look, I have some differences with someone like Rudy Giuliani. I guess he said he's going to vote for Trump. But if you ever want a clearer instance of kind of Republican governance, tough on crime, uh, pro-growth, decent economic policies, as opposed to de Blasio, here you have it. So I think it allows Cruz to do the key thing he has to do, which is he has to be the spokesman now for the whole Republican Party or 
or to be a little more precise, for the whole non-Trump part of the Republican Party, which is about 40-plus percent, 60-plus percent of the Republican Party. Trump's been getting, what, 37 percent of the vote. So, um, And that requires a little broadening of his message. You know, I'm a conservative. I like it when Ted Cruz goes down the litany of conservative positions. I like it when he says, you know, I'm a proud reader of National Review and the Weekly Standard and things like that. He's getting those votes. You know, people know he's conservative. People know he doesn't like the Washington cartel. He now needs to speak to a lot of people who have voted for more moderate Republicans in the past, who were first inclined this year to be for a Rubio or a Kasich or even a Jeb Bush or others, and say, hey, look, I'm I'm sticking to my views. I'm sticking to my principles. But I understand that as a representative of this party, I'm going to pull the whole party together. I respect people with whom I have some differences. I'm not contemptuous of of our previous presidential candidates or people like that. I think I can do a better job in winning, he can say. Uh, And I want to govern as a a strong Republican and conservative. But like Reagan, having getting to 60 percent of the vote in in my reelection, he doesn't have to literally say this, but he should have that attitude, uh, even if I start off with 49 or 51 percent of the vote, uh, which is what Reagan would rate 50.5% of the vote, right. I guess. I guess it needs to be about 50. So 49 is not good. But start off with 50.5% of the vote and move and expand the, uh, the base. I mean, that's kind of the attitude and the tone that I think Cruz has to take. And whether that means, you know, some of that can be done just in a kind of personal way. I think his wife is such an impressive and uh, wonderful person. You know, that softens the image. Uh, you know, going to that uh, Hasidic matzah, uh, you know, right. uh, uh, factory and, and, and playing with a little uh, Orthodox shoe kids in Brighton Beach uh, yesterday. I think he did that. So that was, I thought, a nice touch. I mean, I, I think he can do a lot. To, uh, the media caricature of him is so extreme that it wouldn't take much for people to say, hey, the guy, he's a little more conservative than I am, but he's a reasonable guy. Sure, not Donald Trump. He has a chance to win in November, and uh, I'm going to vote for him. So that's what I hope he does in New York over the next 10 days. And I think there's another positive about Ted Cruz that he can use New York to sell, and that is smart. You know, uh, yes. the people who follow, who read Weekly Standard, they've read again and again about how smart he is. Uh, you know, he, he is as smart as President Obama wants people to think President Obama is smart. He actually is that smart. And when you have someone like Alan Dershowitz, no friend of Republicans, saying the smartest student I ever had was uh, was uh, Ted Cruz, that's pretty impressive. And to show that, because particularly you think about those suburban communities, I'm thinking about Westchester County and Rockland County. Right. These are people who are well-read. They respect people who are good at their job. They're well-educated. And there's no reason why Ted Cruz, a double Ivy League graduate, and his wife would not fit right in there. And all all they have to do, Bill, is not let Trump get 50%. If Trump gets 49.999, he loses. Yeah, I very much agree with that. And I think you're right. And without being at all snobbish or elitist or anything like right. that, uh, you know, people can, Cruz can indirectly remind people and others can remind them more directly that he's, uh, yeah, he's an American success story. And he's a guy who grew up in Texas and with modest means and an immigrant father, as he always reminds us. And then, uh, went to Princeton, which is not very far from New York, and an awful lot of Princeton, you know, a lot of American, sure. a lot of New York parents, uh, New York State parents would love, you know, love love their kids to to get a good to get to have the chance to go to a place like Princeton and then Harvard Law School. I think also just regionally, geographically, it reminds people he's not a, someone who spent his, you know, every one of his 45 years uh, in the South, you know, right. far, far, far removed from a place like New York. You know, he spent, what, three years at Princeton and three years at, uh, four years at Princeton and three years in Boston. So, you know, I just think generally it would help. It helps take the edge off the caricature of Cruz. 
I agree completely. But what about those negative numbers? I mean, that's one of the things that I've heard a lot on my radio talk show is people saying, I know you're not for Trump, Graham. He's at 69 percent negatives in the latest poll. But Cruz is still at at 59 or 58 percent, you know, or 59. And that's you know, that's terrible, too. And that's that's a good point, Bill. Yeah, or mid-50s and some. I think that's true, but I would say this. By contrast with Trump and Hillary Clinton, uh, Cruz is not that well-known. Or what they know is a very quick snapshot. Cruz closed down the government, very strident uh, social conservative. If you're in the Northeast and you think, ugh, just out of the question. So I think Cruz can, can, can fix that number some. And I personally know people, I'm sure you do too, Michael, I was talking with someone just the other day, whose wife, who I know well also, uh, said to me four or five months ago, I don't really remember how, well, I guess it was the beginning of the election campaign, we were just chatting about it, and uh, she was fine with most of the Republican candidates, uh, but said that I didn't like Trump, but said I and I couldn't vote for Cruz, and she just had kind of the caricature view of, of Cruz, uh, and uh, now she's uh, um, changing her mind, and partly it's because of the Trump contrast, which actually helps Cruz, and partly just she's learned more, she's read stuff, and seen him on TV, and seen him in town halls, and seen him in the debates, and so I think Cruz's unfavorable number. We shouldn't kid ourselves. He's not going to, you know, overnight right. become, you know, 80% favorable, 20% unfavorable. But can Cruz move that number, 5, 8, 10 points? I think he can move it more easily than either Trump or Hillary. Uh, speaking of Hillary, uh, you, you know, if I could say to Republicans, you know, in the past, you're going to have a chance to run against somebody whose negatives are 55 percent disapproval and they're going to have 100 percent name ID. So that number is going to be very hard to move. You go, we are guaranteed to win. Then, of course, I'd introduce you to Donald Trump with 69 percent negatives. But right. Hillary's I mean, that's kind of the buried headline is the almost certain nominee of her party. A majority of Americans already don't like her and the negative ads haven't started yet. Right. I mean, she's had a pretty easy time for the last nine, 12 months, a pretty easy time, I would say, for the last seven years. Uh, you know, a lot of favorable coverage of Secretary of State, um, book tour. That's not exactly the toughest coverage in the world. She ran into the email problem. That was her own. That was created by her, obviously. But basically, after seven years of very self-consciously trying to repair uh, an image that had been battered a little bit by the tough primary with Obama and, of course, by her senior's first lady. Here she is at 55% uh, or so, uh, unfavorable. It's really stunning. And, and everyone knows everything about her. And the more they learn, I should think they'll, it's the opposite of Cruz. I kind of think things might get a little worse the more people, uh, the, the more the severity of the email scandal sinks in, the more failures the Secretary of State sink in. And Bill Clinton, I think, just said this week, right, that the world's in just awful shape, much worse than when he was president. And well, who was Secretary of State between the, you know, right, uh, for, exactly. the, for, the, for, for the first half of the current administration uh, that has led to a world that's in such terrible shape. So I, I very much agree. She is weak and people are underestimating how weak she is. And that's why even uh, I wouldn't I won't pretend that I don't think that I don't think Cruz is necessarily the strongest general election candidate, or at least he has a more of a hill to overcome. He could turn out to be a very strong one because he's very able. But but I think he, he has a real shot at overcoming that hill up because of his own merits, but especially because of the contrast with Hillary Clinton, I, I really think people are <clears throat> totally agree with you. They're underestimating it. We should look at the Sanders thing. I mean, she'll beat Sanders, I suppose. You know, I wouldn't bet I, on that. But, They're but, within single digits of each other. I wouldn't bet on that at all. Yeah, well, no, I wouldn't be. I'm not saying it's a certain matter. I guess the super delegates just look pretty set in their ways. But think of this. It is not now inconceivable. I did the math quickly the other day. Sanders would need a strong showing. He'd probably need to upset her in New York and then do very well in subsequent states, including California, where he's now very close, however. Uh, he, it is not out of the question that Sanders could catch Clinton in popularly elected 
delegates. Are the Democrats then going to just nominate Hillary? Just the superdelegates going to come in and say, okay, well, we're, I mean, they can do it legally, of course. They're, they're, they've got their rules. But are they just going to say this amazing insurgent campaign, massive small-dollar fundraising base, exciting young people, and we're going to give the nomination to Hillary Clinton, even though she may not end up with more actually popularly elected delegates than Sanders. As long as she maintains that lead over Sanders, however weak she is, I think she's safe for the, you know, for the general for right. the nomination. But that would be the really dramatic thing, which is why New York is a very important primary for the Democrats as well. Because I think Hillary's brought eight points or so ahead of Sanders yeah. in the polls I've seen. But if he could catch her in New York, that would really be something. Yeah, and that's what I meant is that within single digits in New York, and I, yeah. just losing New York, losing your home state. I mean, even John Kasich managed to not right. lose its own state. So when you when you can't achieve the Kasich bar, that's a very low standard. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for joining us and wrapping up the week here for the Weekly Standard Podcast. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.